0: Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Exodus. We're looking in Exodus chapter 33, starting in verse 12, reading through to the end of the chapter in verse 23. Exodus 33, beginning in verse 12. Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways, that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And he said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And he said to him, If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us, so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, this very thing that you have spoken I will do, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Moses said, Please show me your glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will, pro- will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to who- whom I will be gracious, And I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But, he said, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock, and my glory will pass by, and I will put you in a cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Good morning. Well, uh, last week I said we were doing something a little bit different, and this week we're making it uh, more different yet again. And uh, also my thanks to the crew who came out and are playing for us. Uh, And the difference continues into the sermon time because we don't have a sermon proper this week. So if you're if it's your first time here, you're really missing out because the sermons are fantastic. But um, uh, I thought what would be appropriate to do after last week, so those who were here last week would remember, we told a story of somebody that many of us had known from the congregation who's no longer with us, and. and and then gave a theological reflection on that in the sermon. We're going to continue that model in future weeks. But uh, that conversation uh, really resonated with a number of people. Um, we told the story of a friend of ours named Mike who wound up taking his own life a number of years ago and was part of this church. And uh, without trying to turn Mike or anyone else's life into a particular case study for one concept or the other, uh, we highlighted the concept of, of loneliness because uh, this was something that uh, was prevalent in, in Mike's life. And then we made some observations from that. What I'd like to do this morning is just do one kind of general teaching point. And uh, how did we get ahead of there? Anyway, uh, one general teaching point and, uh, and then call up a few people to talk with us about loneliness. It doesn't mean that they're all lonely people, so, you know, you don't have to feel sorry for them but it's because I thought they might have something to say that would, that would resonate with uh, the rest of us. Uh, and the hope is that we go from here knowing that we are to be formed as a Christian community witnessing to the love of God in this world. And what, one of the things that that means is we're going to have to be able to discern uh, loneliness within and around us and know what it means that God loves us and loves every single person uh, with that in mind. So on last week's uh, reflection, just to briefly tell you what we did, uh, we made the point after telling Mike's story that Jesus Christ experienced a loneliness, a depth of loneliness that no one ever has. We could say there's a different nature to that because, of course, Jesus and the Father and the Spirit are one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But in our Christian faith, there is the understanding that... Uh, that was, I don't want to use the word broken quite, but that Jesus himself took on all the pain, sorrow, sin that ever was in the world. And in doing so, he became utterly alone. No one, not you or anyone you know, could do what he did. No one, not you or anyone you know, could add to the salvation that that affected. We mentioned also that the connection uh, mentioned the connection between this loneliness and salvation the reminder that in jesus christ god is with us we talked about the cry from the cross when jesus said my god my god why have you forsaken me quoting the 22nd psalm that loneliness is not simply something though this is good in our culture that when somebody's lonely we can maybe help them out spend some time with them, alleviate some of that by our action and concern. But there is a deeper level than that. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Salvation is connected to this. And thirdly and finally, we mentioned that we are in our Christian faith called to hope. Now this is something that I shouldn't have to say. But I feel that in our world I do have to say that. Because often the Christian church is among the least hopeful places. The most afraid, the most prone to division. But this loneliness by Jesus Christ that in transcendence has been defeated. And we are called to hope, to remind as best we can this world that God is with us. So this morning, to teach just one point, when I was a young Christian, oh, you know what? I don't know why this isn't working. I had such beautiful uh, graphics. Here we go. When I was a young Christian and kind of came to Christian faith, I was going to a church called Delbrook Baptist at the time. It's now called Bridge Church, meets at uh, Capilano University. Um, Many of you know people who go there. And while my parents were mildly involved in church, they certainly didn't press me to go to church, unlike some of you, right? Uh, and so as I came to faith, this faith became my own. But I started to notice around the church, you know, ads for things or the way things were written, that, that, that these people of now who I'm kind of a part of this crew now, they're really against some things. And then I started to kind of discern what those were. And I assumed as a young person that I should be against those same things. And what's interesting is the more I studied the Bible, the more I grew in my own faith, I realized that those divisions weren't quite as stark as some people would have me believe. But I picked this up, this tone, that somehow coming to faith means that I will have a different stance than the rest of the people in the world. And this was propagated. And some very well-meaning and wonderful and helpful people even kind of pass this on, and sometimes from the pulpit that could come forth. The divisions, Christian, non-Christian, good, bad, right, wrong. I did not grow up in a culture where I felt oppressed by that. Some of you have, or did, where you knew, like, if you did this thing, then you were, like, on the outs. There's a model of Christian faith and evangelism that comes from that, and it's preoccupied with the question, or a question like it, how can we be made acceptable to God? This produces a moralism. It produces fear. And some of you are still living a life where even if you've broken out of that to some degree, it still kind of hangs there, doesn't it? Like you're not acceptable because you don't think this and these people do, or The theological concept here, why I'm teaching you this or telling you this in relation to loneliness, is that there is a division between God and us. And this text from the Old Testament, Moses, you know, wanting to be friends with God effectively, how can I lead people who I'm supposed to be telling them about you if I don't even know who you are? And it's a beautiful interchange they have. It's a wonderful Old Testament text. But there is a difference in the expression of holiness in this text than we know after our Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean it's broken, but it means our our understanding is furthered on this side of the cross. Moses is asking to know God, to see God, and what does God do? God says, well, I'll set this up so that I pass by you and you can't really see me because if you see me, you're going to die. And before that, there's all these texts before the Ten Commandments come telling people all these verses saying, Moses, I, okay, this is going to happen now. It's at Mount Sinai. Remember the mountain? Don't let people near the mountain because if they come near, they're done. Do you see that, that distance between us and God, which is real. God is holy. But the problem is that if we build a model of faith and evangelism and outreach, out of those that understanding alone, we miss something. I don't, this wouldn't come as a surprise to many of you, I don't see faith that way. I really don't. I mean, sometimes I'm, I'm as prejudiced as some of you are or whatever, so I can go through the world with all these kind of judgments that I have to check and correct. But for the most part, I do not see the world as good, bad, right, and wrong, us and them. Why? I'll tell you why. Because of my faith. So am I saying, well, this is the right way and it's the wrong? I guess I am. This is the model that where God exists here and there's this separation in humanity. that's supposed to be that little box I'm terrible drawing even on computers. And, and there's this division, this separation. And then models of evangelism can kind of be built out of that where this first question is, are these people acceptable? Am I? And, you know, how do we get people here and into this place? The different model is this next one, God for us. And I've taken the words out there. Anything to represent God or humanity, and in the middle of that's supposed to be a cross. That rather than a division, God, you have to understand this if you're to, to have a Christian witness in this world, a truly Christian witness. God is for every person in this world. There is not one. This is not, first and foremost, a question of acceptability or even morality. God has turned towards all of us. The love of Jesus Christ is for all people. So what you do, some of you, especially the good church-going people who've been at it for a while, actually the ones who've been at it for a good long time don't do this as much as, as some others, but when I say God is for all people, then some people go, well, then you know people are going to think that they can do whatever they want. When I say God is for all people, please understand I am not making a moral statement. I am saying that the first thing we need to know about God and Jesus Christ, and we know this about God because of Jesus Christ, is that God has turned towards every single person. And that's my desire, that we would help people to know that. God has chosen not to be God without us. God is for us. He's turned towards all and if you think of the people that you can you can consider in the world who the world would be better if only it wasn't for these people like who has God not really turned towards surprisingly those are the people that you don't like and then you put that on God and that's wrong you say well they're sinners I'm not interested they need to know that God has turned towards them Who's going to tell them about their sin? Let me give you an answer. Not you. You need to think about your own. You cannot, you cannot get close to God by turning away from other people. You can't do it. And if the church has taught you that, that that's a way to get close to God, you have been taught incorrectly, unchristianly. So, that's my whole teaching. We're going to bring the panel up. I'm simply going to ask you a question in the next weeks, days, months, and years. I don't think we're fully enmeshed in that old model, but I think we still live in the shadow of it. You need, as you think, God, how can I reflect your love in this world, to be guided by one question. Well, even that, even that hope gives you the question. Not, is this person before you acceptable or unacceptable? But how are you going to demonstrate by prayer, practice, action, that God has turned towards every single person in this world in Jesus Christ? We have tremendous hope if we can do that. So, I've asked um, some people to come up for the panel. You know who you are, and if you haven't run out of the building, come on up now. I can't even see the balcony. I think some of you are there. Uh, And there's a couple of young people and a couple of um, other people. (laughs) And uh, we're just going to talk about loneliness. The reason I give you that teaching on loneliness is that, oh, there's a priest. Oh, no. Um, The reason I give you that teaching on loneliness is this is a very important point for us as Christians. It's a theological point that God has turned towards us. It has to do with loneliness and uh, with how we approach people in seeking to care for them if it's something that they're battling. So, yeah, I've got a wireless up here. And uh, we're just going to have... Can you? Yeah, you can see. That's not in the way, right? You don't need to see me. You need to see them anyway. So I'm just going to ask you guys some questions, and I don't have, like, chosen who's going to speak. But uh, this is Robert here. Everybody can say hi to Robert. And this is Sarah, and this is Ken Bell, also known as Reverend Father Ken Bell, and this is Barbara Smith. (laughs) Nobody calls him that. All right, so my first question simply is, how do you see loneliness in our culture today? Who wants to go first? I knew it. I knew this would happen. Somebody will go. I hold the mic
2: out. I come from a long line of talkers, so I don't mind starting. Um, and also my hair is gray, and I'm here to represent, I think, amongst other things, uh, seniors who ha- have a particular uh, danger, shall I say, of falling into loneliness from many things. They um, are separated often by health issues from family and friends, and they can be uh, cut off. So from that standpoint, they're alone a lot more than they've been used to often and so loneliness can set in so easily and it's hard to break out of it often they are uh, confined because of mobility issues to a room and they can watch tv but their socialization is severely limited and so loneliness also becomes a big issue with them and with loneliness comes worsening health issues Dementia uh, is worsened by loneliness, and so seniors have uh, these what I call extreme seniors, uh, particularly the, with with health issues. And I I can I, I have kind of got next to a few of that nature that have had that those issues. One that I have to mention particularly who uh, is Peter Takis's mother. And she was confined to a bed for many months, all by herself but Peter and her other son Charles. And it was it, it, it strengthened my faith to go and see her because though she was confined to a bed, very limited in her contacts with the outer world. She didn't really like watching TV. Her hearing was going. Her vision was very bad. But when I was there, she used to say that uh, but God talks to me In the night when I'm by myself, I hear him saying he loves me. So we can, the rest of us can benefit from making the effort to get next to some of our uh, seniors.
3: Ken. I think one of the places I see loneliness is amongst people for whom the, the structures or the constructs of their identity and their meaning in life have been broken down or shattered. So people who used to find uh, either meaning or sense of identity in groups they belong to, perhaps it's a church, perhaps it's a social organization, uh, perhaps it's some sort of club, or ways of identifying themselves through belonging to other people, when those constructs uh, have fallen apart, our ability to belong to things and find identity in them, jobs that are no longer permanent but ever-changing, so our identity of job is gone. Uh, there's a loneliness in that because there's not ways that we have then developed to find meaning and identity. And so there's a sense of loneliness in the world where I, I don't know where I fit in, I don't know where I belong, I don't feel comfortable maybe in the, in the constructs or the groups I belong to, but I don't know where else to go. So... Yeah,
4: sure. Um... Well, I think for us young people, and this might be a stereotypical answer, but social media is a a big part of our lives, and it's easy enough to click a button and you've made a friend or follow somebody on Instagram, and so we are able to make these surface-level relationships very easily with people and connect very easily with people, but it's hard for us, I think, to make those deeper um, connections, and it's kind of the mentality of quantity over quality. You can have lots and lots and lots of friends, but not a lot of them are, like, close people that know you well. So, yeah. Do you have anything?
1: You don't have to contribute. You can go to the ne- no, next, question. next question. Right. <laughs> um Well, I mean, I, I don't want to totally put you on the spot, and I really haven't because I gave you some of the questions in advance, but I don't know if any of you are willing to speak to any of your own experience in terms of... Of loneliness or like it's if it's something that at a given point in your life you felt or in a given situation or incident or any other personal reflections you can have from. So now you really have to. No. I'll,
2: okay. I'll pass on this one because okay. I have not experienced a lot of loneliness in my life. Uh, by the grace of God, I have had a blessed life from that standpoint. So I, I don't think that's particularly helpful to most of you. <laughs> so, uh. Anybody
1: else? of you guys. Gonna
5: go. Well, I guess uh, I went to university for first year and then kind of just uh, there was like living off the high of like being by myself, right, and just growing up and trying to figure out what I want, my trying to find my identity, as you were saying, but versus actually knowing my identity, I'm trying to look for it. So I was trying to search that, still haven't found it, I guess. <laughs> and, but like last November, I just that high just kind of just dropped, and it was just. Not a fun time. And it was just like, I used movies and video games and just different ways of finding escape to just not come to conclusion. Yeah, I was in Calgary, so I didn't actually have anyone to go to. And I'm really good at making friends easily, but not making close friends.
1: Uh, I'm interested in, do you guys think loneliness has anything to do with our culture's obsession with achievement, with measuring up, and with success, that that some of the loneliness we might face is because we compare ourselves to others. I don't know if you have any reflections on that. Ken's nodding his head. Oh, got, to be,
3: got to be careful. It's like at an auction you scratch your ear and all of a sudden you you bid $100 on a pen. Um, sorry I saw some bitterness towards James Kopp on getting me a pen when I didn't want it. Um, Our obsession yeah. with achievement oh, Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Right. This isn't a counseling session. Um, yeah I, and I think that goes back to what I was saying before is, is that sense of identity if we don't have it within ourselves um, and all our sense of identity is external then it it does go to that sense of uh, and, and as Sarah was saying the the whole online presence do I have as many friends do I have as many likes do I have as many uh, whatever it is Is am I uh, and for someone like me, in my particular personality, that sense of comparing myself with others has always been strong because growing up, I did feel very alone. I did feel very lonely. My, my siblings had moved away uh, because they were a lot older than me, uh, never fit in well at, at, at school, never really had a lot of friends, so there was a great deal of loneliness. And so when I began to get small glimpses of achievement... Well, that almost became an addiction, a toxin that I just needed more and more of. But all that does is then, when you don't measure up, your feet get knocked out from under you. Your cards, the house of cards, crumbles, and it makes you feel even more distant and more uh, more lonely. And I and I I've experienced that throughout a good portion, of my life and still do. Um, so I think there's a there is a connection there between loneliness and our cultural obsession with measuring up comparing ourselves with others
0: so
1: my last question and i hopefully each of you can contribute a little bit you don't have to be too profound um or profound at all but uh, my last question is how in your experience uh your faith experience because we we've been part of this church or well, ken's part of another church but he's part of this church and shared our faith and how, how do loneliness and faith relate how has that been? You know, you can talk about prayer or something else, but how do loneliness and faith relate? Somebody start, and hopefully, all of you can come and kind of add a piece.
2: I think they're closely linked. Uh, we sang just now uh, a line in one of the songs was and that Jesus bled for Adam's hopeless race, helpless race. Pardon me. And it started there. We were created to be in close relationship with one another and with God, and it fell apart. God, in his grace, left uh, within each heart. Well, I have to go back a bit. first time I ever thought about this was watching Star Trek, the first Star Trek. And I don't know if you remember the episode where Ephraim uh, Cochran, who invented whatever that technology makes their spaceships fly. No, well, you missed something. Anyway, there was an alien there, and the alien took on a human body. And the first it was female, which had bearing in the story. But anyway, uh, she said to the other character, Ephraim. She said, "Oh, Ephraim, how can you bear it? We're, I'm so alone. I'm separated. I'm. I just can't. I can't feel other people. I can't feel what you are." And I remember thinking that. That was very profound. (laughs) There's a lot of profound stuff in in Star Trek, actually. But that one showed me, yes, that's true. We are all alienated. We were alienated from the garden. And we're alienated from one another. And I think God created that and allowed it because a great blessing would come from it was community. Otherwise, we wouldn't bother with one another. We we all know hermits. There, There are people who don't feel that that loneliness or aloneness, but we come to one another because of it. We have community because of it. And it was through the blood of Christ that Christians, people of faith, have community with one another, but also the presence of the Holy Spirit. We also sang that, that we asked the Holy Spirit to come and within us restoring our unity with God. So from that we have a wholeness that needs to translate into community and that's the challenge there's so much division in what ought to be the community that Jesus prayed about he prayed to the father in John 17 make them one he said speaking of the believers make them one as you and I are one the unity of the trinity is available to us but it's it's a struggle we are still human we're still sinners we still struggle to find in one another that unity that God has planned for us. Now, what, there are some of us that don't really struggle with it. Why do others, if they are believers, they have the Holy Spirit within, why are they struggling with loneliness? Well, it's because each of us is different, and God has granted some of us a strength in that area, others a weakness in that area. We need to support one another Help one another do all that community can do to alleviate those problems that they have. I speak to myself as well. Uh, we, we're, we're separated from one another in ways that we can't really help at this point. But we can draw on the Holy Spirit and the love that Jesus said. Love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Start there and love our neighbor. Neighbors sitting here and the neighbors outside the doors. That was a sermon. I didn't really it mean like it to church. be so long.
1: But Ken, you're not allowed to take a sermon now,
4: you guys can. I'm going to let Sarah go. Oh, okay. okay. Doesn't want to make me look bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that we can have hope in our faith and our loneliness. Um, I think during one of the interludes, they played What a Friend We Have in Jesus, and I think that's a really great reminder um, that Jesus did feel this very human and very complex emotion and because of that, he can be empathetic towards us and kind of come alongside us in our loneliness um, in like a very unique way, I think. Yeah.
5: There's not much to say after all that. <laughs> but uh, I guess for faith and loneliness, there are two separate things that kind of contrast each other, I guess. Mm-hmm. Loneliness being you feel sadness because you don't actually have any friends, or you feel you don't have friends, even though you might. Mm-hmm. But faith is more of something where you have trust in someone, say God or a friend. So, in that way, it's kind of like you kind of want loneliness so you can actually feel mm-hmm. faith. But that's just my thought.
1: You said you did everything safe. That was really good. So. <laughs> <laughs> so now you have to yeah. head it to Ken. Yeah. You can read just a Bible do. verse for us because yeah. he's wearing a collar.
3: Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, there you are. If I make my bed in shale, there you are too. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost part of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be dark. Be night. Even your darkness, even the darkness, is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. I think the connection between loneliness and faith is that um, what Todd was talking about—that God is for us, God is present with us. Richard Rohr says, "There's no point." Um, this isn't a direct quote; it's an indirect quote from talks. Talks of there, there's. It's not right for us to speak about seeking God. God is already present with us. God is already around us. What we need to seek is an awareness of that. What the psalmist is saying here is we can't... It's foolish to seek God because he's already there. Wherever I go, God is already there. What we have to pray for is uh, is, is that awareness. What the cross... Proves what the incarnation proves to the whole world is that God is present in this world and in our lives, and that He's for us, not against us. God is, as Todd and I were talking about this week, God is a humanist. God is for humanity. God is for you, and He's for me. And any other thought that comes into our mind that sets a counter to that. It's not right. So even in the midst of our loneliness, in the midst of feeling completely and utterly alone, I think of um, when Elijah goes up onto the uh, after his great achievement at Mount Carmel, and he's feeling completely and utterly alone, and he can't find God until he listens to that still, small voice, that gentle breeze. Even in all that, God was present with him.
1: Thank you, but thank you panel, so much. We should give them, we're into applause for this morning for talking about service.
3: Thanks for playing us with the answers too, that was
1: really helpful. <laughs> Did not do that. Uh, can I ask you to rise? Just gonna do, if if you're able, uh, a little spiritual practice at the end here, a prayer. And so you can pray this along with me in your mind, Um but I, I really want you to know that there isn't one person in here who, I mean, this is speaking from our Christian faith. You, you, if you see the world differently, uh, that's, that's great. We, we're here in this room together, and, and so I hope you'll indulge me in, in what I'm going to say. That from this faith, there is not one of us in this room who is not called to bless other people. And, and from our Christian faith, whether you share this faith or not, Uh, That blessing is this first reminder that God has turned towards us and all of humanity in Christ Jesus. So I think there's probably a couple things that might happen in your mind and heart. One, I'll do the easier one first. You might have somebody in mind in particular. You might have yourself in mind first. That's usually who you first have in mind. But after that, um, somebody who you know is lonely. You might have somebody who you've judged unfairly. When, you, when the light goes on and you realize, oh, they're struggling with something. Remember that quote, be compassionate, everyone you meet is engaged in a great struggle? You know your struggle, but you don't think of the others often. We don't do that. So think of a person that you can bless and that might just be praying for them. It might be praying, I've sometimes prayed, God help me run into so-and-so. Seriously, I have. And often those prayers seem, seem to be answered. And, um, so how can you be a blessing to others? And then... Uh, secondly this and in some ways this is more important to me as pastor in this place where are the areas that we need to repent that we have propagated a christianity that is focused on division rather than this love of god for all people and you'll know when you pray if the holy spirit convicts you it might be over something you've done it might be over something cultural that that either on purpose or inadvertently, we may have propagated a faith that actually pushes other people away. And that is a matter of great repentance for us. That is not our Lord Jesus Christ. So let me pray for you, and then we have a great song, as a sending song, because this is a hopeful, hopeful message that God is with us. Let's pray together. So Lord, we thank you for this time, and we pray your blessing Upon us, those we love, we pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear. We thank you for those who come before us. We say these things this morning not uh, as judgment and not to belittle anyone who has demonstrated great love to us in the past. We thank you for those who have cared for us. But we pray that we would know what it means to live our faith in this world now. Would you call us to be witness to your love, Heavenly Father, for all people? Help us to consider where it is in our lives that we need to repent, how we have demonstra- demonstrated something less than that love. And we pray that you would grow us as your church. We thank you for this time together in Christ's name. Amen. I think you stay standing. Yeah.